Hey everybody, thank you for tuning in for Bearcat Rewind. This is episode number 33 of the podcast, and once again, it is a special one for us today. Typically we go through current or former Northwest Missouri State athletes, coaches, trainers, uh, even strength and conditioning coaches. Today we're actually going the broadcasting route. We are joined by Tommy Thrall. He is the new voice of the Cincinnati Reds. We're getting set for a shortened 60-game regular season for the Major League Baseball season, so uh, this will be a fun one talking with Tommy not only about uh, joining the Reds, what his expectations are, the expectations for a shortened season like this, but also what it took to get to this point in his career to where he is in the big leagues broadcasting with some legendary broadcasters all around him when you think about radio and the TV side. So, you know, Tommy came through Northwest Missouri State University, a guy that grew up in Smithville and just kind of a workaholic, I guess you could describe him as when it comes to his broadcasting career. Did a lot of work on the student station here at Northwest Missouri State, KZLX. Did a ton of work here at KXCV, KRNW, the NPR affiliate on campus as well. And anytime he had a chance to get behind the microphone, he did just that, and it's led to where he is now. So uh, Tommy entering his first full season as the voice of the Cincinnati Reds. So this will be a fun conversation. We really enjoyed it. We hope you do as well. Now, Bearcat Rewind is brought to you by the Northwest Foundation, providing support for the Northwest Alumni Association and the university's funding needs since 1971. More information is available on Facebook or online at nwmissouri.edu slash alumni. We spoke with Tommy about what it took to reach the big leagues, the impact Northwest Missouri State had on him, and filling the shoes of legendary broadcaster Marty Brenneman in Cincinnati. Tommy Thrall is our guest on this edition of Bearcat Rewind. Well, today on Bearcat Rewind, we are jumping up to the big leagues, being joined by the voice of the Cincinnati Reds, Tommy Thrall, a former Northwest Missouri State Bearcat, went through our program here at Northwest KXCV KRNW, the NPR affiliate uh, in Maryville here. Tommy, we appreciate you coming on the program with us and and chatting with us. How are things going for you? Hey, uh, thank you guys for having me on. It's really an honor, and uh, things are good, you know, ramping up for baseball season. The team looks really good. Um, a lot of people are picking the Cincinnati Reds to win the National League Central Division <laughs> over teams like, oh, say the St. Louis Cardinals and Chicago Cubs and teams like that. So it's really, really looking good right now. So we'll see how everything plays out. But no, it's, it's been fun. I've been going down to the ballpark the last week, week and a half, and uh watching inter-squad scrimmages. The Tigers will come to town early next week to play a couple exhibition games before we open the season against them. So it's great to see baseball again. Uh, again, the city's really excited about this team, and, and it should be a fun year. You know, you're kind of hitting us where it hurts when you talk about the St. Louis Cardinals there. <laughs> Just had to throw that in there. I didn't know if you realized they were in the same division. So I I well, I was vaguely aware of that, yes. Oh, okay, good. Well, just checking. Well, you know, Tommy, one will win the division and one will get the wild card because they're all beating up on the AL Central and in the Royals. So that probably hits a little close to home for you too, right? That's, you know what? There's some truth to that. Uh, I, I still have a lot of friends in Kansas City. Uh, in the area that are that are big Royals fans, still trying to convert a lot of them to Reds fans, but uh, that's that's kind of it, it's okay because they're in different leagues. Ordinarily, that's okay. Of course, we're all basically in one division this year. It kind of feels like with the way the schedule shapes up, but um, no, it is. I think the Royals will be a little better though. They've they've got some young players that are that are making improvements. I think the the rotation is supposed to be a little better. So who knows? They might be a little improved this year as well. You know, Tommy, we were talking to you before we went on about uh, your Major League debut a couple years ago and how you had to go through some rain delays on your first few games with the Cincinnati Reds when you came up from uh, uh, Pensacola. And now this year you have to wait for your 
first game as the voice, a major voice of the uh, Cincinnati Reds and wait through the whole coronavirus pandemic. Yeah, it's like one real, real big rain delay. Um, that's how we kind of keep looking at it. It's, little did I know in 2018, of course, when I came up that year, I had no idea what, what would lie ahead. You know, that for me was just an opportunity to come up and do some games and, and fill in for Marty and fulfill a lifelong dream, you know, to announce Major League Baseball games. So that, you know, it, it didn't matter what was thrown at me <laughs> at that point, especially because it was just such a, a cool experience for me. And, and, you know, it took me a while. I did look back on that recently. I think somebody had pointed it out and mentioned it to me, and, and I kind of forgot about the rain delays because there was. There were rain delays in each of those. I filled in for three games, and there were long extended rain delays in each of those three games. Little did we know that would be a precursor to how – the whole thing would get started. Turns out that was just uh, that was just kind of an opening act, I guess. <laughs> I tell you what, beginning uh, your break uh, as far as uh, that particular time, then making the most of that and becoming uh, the main voice of the Cincinnati Reds, now taking over for the legendary Marty Brenneman. You really go into a, a, a baseball team that, when you look at baseball history, dates back to you know, I think what 1934. Red Barber was the first uh, voice of the Cincinnati Reds. Al Michaels uh, got his start in major leagues with the Reds, and you take over for. Uh, living legend Marty Brenneman really um, moving into uh, quite an opportunity with the Reds it's crazy you walk through the um, you walk through the press box and, and into the the area where wing basically where all the the radio and broadcast booths are and there's four Hall of Fame plaques on the wall and you think well something here isn't like the others so it's kind of crazy because there's just you know, the, the the legacy of broadcasting for the Reds is tremendous. Um, and to me, that's something that, that I certainly don't take lightly. I mean, you know, knowing you guys like I do, you guys are, are well aware that I, I don't just love baseball, but I love broadcasting as a whole. Um, I think back to my time at Northwest, and, and I was – anytime anybody would give me a microphone and some airwaves to talk into, I was in. So that was that was just – kind of how i've always been um I, i've just always liked broadcasting um and baseball was my way to combine those two passions so to be a part of a legacy like this means so much to me personally it's very humbling uh but i certainly don't take it lightly now i don't take a whole lot of what i do in life seriously uh but but to be a part of a legacy like this um yeah you, you kind of have to step back and and look at it and pinch yourself that it's reality because it's really something special and, and radio uh, baseball and radio in Cincinnati is, is very, very historic. It's, it's crazy to be even a small part of that. Whenever you're coming up and, and you're with the Pensacola Blue Wahoos and you're working in Florida doing some other uh, freelance jobs at the same time, but you're already within the Reds organization in the minor leagues, can you walk us through um, first getting that first opportunity to, to fill in for a few games, but then actually getting the chance, getting the call um, to take on that full-time position? What was that experience like and what memories do you pull from those days? Well, it's probably not like what people would think um, because the the call that came, the, the official call, now there was some conversation back and forth on, you know, uh, if, if there's an opportunity, is it something you might be interested in? Uh, the answer is obviously yes, but you don't necessarily know what it's going to be like. Uh, they were very upfront and saying, hey, we're, we're trying to figure out a way to make this work. We'll get back to you. And, you know, until 
the official call comes, you just, there's all this doubt that, that creeps back into your mind. You know, you think something's going to happen and then you think, well, maybe it won't. Maybe something else came up. So you don't have the opportunity. You don't have the job until you have it. And, um, the official call came while I was covering for our local TV station, just reporting on the Alabama, it was an Alabama small school state championship in Auburn, Alabama. And I'm sitting there in the uh, University of Auburn football press box getting ready to cover this game of, between two teams, neither of which I had covered at all during the season. I would cover some high school football in our area, uh, but it was all strictly Florida schools and, and, and Panhandle schools. So once you get up into Alabama, they were in our coverage area for the TV station that, that I freelanced at, but I was at a game and they weren't part of our, our high school Friday night game of the week coverage. So these are two schools, neither of which I had any familiarity with. Uh, I, I, so all of a sudden this call comes and we're talking, it's like 10 minutes before kickoff, I think. And I'm in the press box and it's a Cincinnati number that pops up on my phone. And I thought, Oh, this is it. So I answer the phone. I, I shuffle my way back to the back of the press box. It's a new press box that I hadn't been in. I'd covered some, Auburn games, uh, you know, some, some actual Auburn football games, but in the old press box. So I had some familiarity with that, not the new one at all. And this was my first time. So I'm trying to find a door to get out so I could have some semblance of privacy for this, this phone call that I was assuming was a pretty important phone call. And sure enough, it's, uh, president and vice president of the Reds. And, uh, they were calling to offer me the job and, here I am not being able to get out of this press box. So I'm in the back for 10 minutes to kick off this high school football game that I really know little about. And there's these people in here. It's, it's, I mean, quiet as a morgue. And here I am getting offered the job of a lifetime. And I, I can't really show any emotion at all. And in fact, I think at one point in the conversation, they said, are you, are you all right? I said, yeah. They said, well, we kind of figured you might be a little more excited. I said, well, I'm really trying to temper my emotions right now because I'm in the back of a press box around a bunch of people I don't even know, and I'm just trying not to make a scene. <laughs> so it was, it was just one of those deals where I couldn't – there was a door, but I figured if I went out that door, I wouldn't be able to get back in. So it was just kind of one of those moments where uh, you remember exactly where you're at, and then I had to figure out how to focus in and, and – lock in on this football game that at that point uh, became pretty secondary in my life. <laughs> <laughs> you think about working at, uh, at KXCV and working with John uh, for, for Bearcat football broadcasts back as a student. And, and we have a, a good uh, regional um, coverage here throughout the area. We reach a, a long way throughout the Midwest, really, with, with where you think about Maryville and in the different communities around but now you're broadcasting on so many different stations um, across not only in Cincinnati but all around Ohio and Kentucky and all through that area. Do you ever kind of sit back and think about what it was like for you as a young kid listening to Denny Matthews and now all of a sudden you're a voice for that generation coming up that's kind of was in your shoes you know, just a handful of years ago? I think it's hard not to. It, it goes kind of back to what I was talking about before with just really having – a strong appreciation for broadcasting as a whole. Our network, you talk about the size of the network, our network here is huge. It's, it's actually one of the biggest networks in um, 
in the in the league as a whole in all of Major League Baseball. I mean, it's more than a hundred stations that, that we have affiliates in eight states all over the country. WLW, our flagship station, I think reaches I want to say it's something like thirty states. So it's a it's it's kind of like you know a lot of people in Missouri are very familiar with KMOX in St. Louis and and how powerful of a station that is. Well. Uh, 700 WLW here in Cincinnati is very similar to that. And, uh, so it has, it has a strong reach in and of itself. And I remember, you know, when I was younger and, and taking some trips through the Midwest, uh, you know, as a Royals fan going down, I remember one trip specifically went down to Wichita to watch a double a Royals double a game. Uh, they were the Wranglers at the time and went down there and driving back to Kansas city, flipping through the stations and coming across 700 WLW down there and listening to a Reds game and, and hearing Marty. So, um, yeah, you know, that's a, that's another one of those things. You just, it does, it kind of hits you sometimes and you pinch yourself and think, wow, this is, this is really happening. Um, I have one of my best friends from high school still lives in the Kansas city area and he was taking a road trip with his family and sent me a text one day last year and he goes, Hey, we're just, driving through the country, flipping through the stations, and boom, lo and behold, there you are calling a Reds game. It's pretty hard to believe. And so moments like that happen, and, and it, it makes it a little more real because there's so many times that, you know, over the last couple of years where you, maybe you're sitting in Dodger Stadium or, you know, sitting in, in New York um, at City Field, and you think, wow, this is this is real life. We're doing a game from Wrigley Field, and, and you, you just – it's hard to believe that it's real, but it, it, it is. And it's moments like that, that that help it sink in. You know, one of the things that uh, really occurred to me listening to uh, that first weekend when uh, you were called up and, and uh, did those first games with Cincinnati was just the uh, chemistry you had with Jeff Brantley. And I would imagine that was something that was uh, very important to have right off the bat for you. It was. It was something that we had really early on, and I was really lucky for that. I mean, I, I could – I. I couldn't ask for a better partner to work with. Um, Jeff is tremendous. We keep in touch over the off season. Uh, there are so many aspects of this job that I am extremely grateful grateful for. One uh, is is developing the relationship that I have now with with Marty. Even in retirement, uh, Marty and I talk on a regular basis. I actually have a missed call from him today that I need to get back to him on. So I mean, we we talk regularly. But the other thing um, is having Jeff Brantley as a partner, the guy is tremendous. He is, he is so knowledgeable about the game of baseball. We have a lot of very similar interests. Um, he's a Southern guy. And, um, you know, obviously I spent a lot of time in the South and he, uh, he loves to eat. Uh, we both have a strong passion for baseball and we both, I, I don't think either one of us ever get tired of talking about baseball. Uh, and there's times where we'll be getting ready to do a game and we'll just sit in the booth, and we're just talking about the game of baseball. And all of a sudden, we look down and, and well, shoot, we got to get our scorecards ready to go. It's almost game time. So, you know, you just kind of get caught up in conversation. But that, I think, is part of, of what makes um, the chemistry so good between us on the air is that we just both have very similar passions, and uh, we both really enjoy each other's company. Uh, and and that was something that happened right away. It, it goes back to spring training of that 2018 season. Uh, I was headed out there because, you know, working for the Red Double affiliate, it, it, it was always helpful to go out to spring training. I did it a couple of times. 
just to kind of get to know some of the players and, and be around the guys and reconnect with so many people throughout the organization. And I was going out there and I shot the the Reds people and their engineer and producer a, a message and said, hey, I'm going to be out in Arizona. Is there any way I could hop on a couple of games? And they said, sure, we'll give you a few innings of play-by-play in these these couple games and you'll work with Jeff Brantley. And I thought, well, great. And, you know, didn't think anything of it, thought it was a really nice opportunity that they gave me. And uh, But that was kind of what started the, the foundation. And um, we, we got to know each other a little bit during that time. And then when I came up at the end of that season and, and got to work with him, I think that just kind of carried over and, and helped establish that connection and that chemistry right away. And it's only grown and it seems to get, get better and better the more we work together. You know, you think about baseball and, and a nine-inning game, and it can be a bit of a grind uh, some nights, especially if, if if it gets away one one way or another. And then, typically, a 162-game season is uh, can be a grind as well. That's a long season. When you go back to your days at Northwest Missouri State, how did you kind of hone that craft of um, being ready for a marathon and not just trying to sprint through everything and, and wearing yourself out? I, I really give a lot of credit to my days at Northwest and when I was younger because, um, you know, I would do the full, by the time I graduated, I was doing the full schedule of Northwest baseball games, which is, you know, it goes back, this will be a thrown back name for a lot of people, but it goes back to Andy Seeley, who was the old sports information director. Uh, He came up to me. I um, still to this day, one of my best friends in the world is Austin Meyer, who's obviously now the, the uh, Northwest women's basketball head coach, but, you know, back then we were in school together, and and he was a star on the team. And I, we, me and a group of buddies, would go watch games on the road all the time. We were in Warrensburg watching uh, Northwest and Central Missouri play. And uh, I I walked by the scores table, probably gave Andy Seely a pat on the shoulder just to say hi, and he turned around and said, "Hey, I need to talk to you. Would you have any interest in doing Northwest baseball games and traveling with the team and all that? And we'd pay you." I said. Yeah, yeah, I think I'd be interested in that. So that turned into something uh, for the next three, four, eight years, however long I was in school. Um, but it, it turned into something for that, that was a great opportunity because I would get to travel with the baseball team, do their games, and um, it, w- it was a great opportunity. Then when that season ended, uh, my schedule with the T-Bones would get started. So that, when you combine the two schedules, I don't remember how many games – the college baseball season was but when you put the two schedules together uh it amounted to right about 160 games that i was doing on the year so that that really helped get me ready and then the minor league schedule once i got into that that's 140 games so that that helps prepare you as well and you don't have the same energy in the ballparks during a minor league season as you do during a big league season and nothing beats a pennant race even when the Reds weren't necessarily in it towards the end of last year, you're going to parks and, and playing teams that are in the heart of the race. And, and so there's some excitement and some energy there as well. And this year the Reds figure to be right in the mix. So that all, that all kind of helps play a factor. You talk about uh, being tight with Austin Meyer and, and you guys uh, living together a little bit here at Northwest Missouri State. And, and I feel like I've heard some stories that you used to uh, do some Denny Matthews impressions of <laughs> – while while Austin's just doing random things around the apartment, you're just kind of giving that play-by-play. That's real life. That happened. Yeah, yeah. There would there would be times, and uh, you know, Austin would be cleaning his apartment or something. I'd be over there just uh, lounging around, and certainly not doing schoolwork. But uh, we'd be hanging out. He'd clean the apartment, and I'd uh, do play-by-play of him cleaning. You know, 
Austin grabs the plate out of the dishwasher, goes to the left cabinet, drops it in, and then, you know, just different things like that. It was, yeah, it's just stupid stuff we would do. And, uh, yeah, that was that was certainly not uncommon. Hey, if you can call those, I mean, you can call any game, right? Turns out that's good practice for us. <laughs> Little did we know. <laughs> Uh, Mike, uh, for uh, listeners, who, especially maybe some of the students coming up through our program, just kind of talk about some of the, the things that uh, you feel is important for uh, somebody just getting into the business right now to try to do our, uh, coming in maybe as a freshman. Well, there's no question that uh, I, I certainly wouldn't be where I'm at without my time at Northwest. And that's not even just that's not even a sales pitch. That's just that's just a fact. And I tell young broadcasters that all the time. And it doesn't matter where they're at. Uh, I, I say just pick a school where you can get hands-on experience, and that's what I did. I mean, that's, uh, to be completely honest, when I was trying to decide on a college, I knew what I wanted to do. Uh, I knew just based on talking to broadcasters at the major league level what was important, and it was hands-on experience and getting better and getting feedback that will make you better because you're only going to improve by doing it. Uh, you know, there's there's only so much you can learn in the classroom. And being a, a broadcaster and being a good broadcaster is not something you're going to learn in the classroom. You do it in the booth. And uh, whether that's sitting in with people and seeing how they go about their business, but also doing and, and learning what works for you. Um, and those were things that I figured out at Northwest. I mean, there's still a lot of stuff that I, that I do now that, that goes back to my time at Northwest. There's advice that I got even from you, John, that, that – you know, dates back to my time at Northwest that helped me get to where I am. It was the hands-on experience, and, and when I was trying to decide what school to go to, it was between Northwest and Mizzou. And, and when I went on my college visits to two schools, I went down to Columbia, and, you know, I asked um, during the tour, I said, well, when do your broadcast students typically get on equipment? They go, well, if you're a good student um, and things go well, it's a highly competitive program, but maybe by your senior year. And I thought, oh, boy, well, first of all, I'm not a great student. Uh, second of all, <laughs> that's a lot of competition for a small-town guy uh, coming from Smithville, Missouri. So I thought that's, that's not going to be great because there's going to be a lot of students there who kind of come from bigger high schools that have probably already done some hands-on work. So then I go on my visit to Northwest, and I remember exactly where I was. I was at the Bell Tower, and uh, I'm, I'm getting the tour uh, with the group of kids there as we – go across campus and, you know, we, there's some questions that pop up and, and the guy that was giving the tour is a broadcast student. And I said, well, when, uh, when do students typically get on the equipment here? And he goes, oh, I mean, I don't see any reason why you couldn't start, you know, working at the student station right away as a freshman. I thought, wow, that sounds impressive. He goes, well, what kind of stuff do you want to do? I said, well, I want to announce baseball games. He goes, oh yeah, you should probably be able to do that your freshman year. I thought, sign me up. <laughs> Let's go. Where do I sign? And that was, that was what made up my mind. I mean, that was that was the deciding factor, and I don't regret a day of that because that's exactly what I wanted to do. That's exactly what I did. My first Friday night on campus after classes started, I was doing a high school football game, and uh, that was kind of uh, indicative of how my time at Northwest went. There, there weren't many weekends where I wasn't working. I mean, there were times where I would do a high school football game on a Friday night, drive back to campus, hop in uh, – the KXCV studio and, and do the jazz show at night, get up the next morning, go across town to the radio station across town, do a morning shift there, drive to the football stadium after that was done and go do the Northwest football game. And, you know, that was, that was not an unusual weekend for me at all. So that, that experience was incredible. And it was because of my time at Northwest that I was able to get, 
that experience and continue to advance my career. You know, you talk about coming from a small town, Smithville, Missouri. That's kind of the Major League Baseball capital of the region right now with uh, what's going on. In it. It's it's really wild. Such a small town. And the fact that there's actually three of us uh, that, that have roles with Major League teams that are all within, I think it's a five-class stretch. So Jace Tingler is now the manager of the San Diego Padres. And he was four years ahead of me. So he was a senior when I was a freshman. Um, then here I am with the Reds, but then a guy that played baseball at Northwest, Riley Westman, I believe he was a class behind me, if I'm not mistaken. And he is the, I, I, I want to make sure I get this right. I think he's the field coordinator. He's the uh, farm director, I believe, farm director of the Padres. So those, that, that's a pretty good stretch and, and some pretty good success for a small town like Smithville. Yeah, that's uh, here one story from last year, I believe, that uh, you talk about your relationship with Marty Brenneman, and uh, I believe he kind of set you up one time when you had a chance to meet uh, Bob Euchre. You might tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he's one of the many guys that I was really excited to meet last year, uh, speaking of Euchre. And um, John Miller is another guy with the Giants. And it's just so many that, that you know you get a chance to meet these people uh, that you've listened to really – all of your life. So I've always been a Bob Euchre fan. I, I certainly think there's some, some elements of my work that, that I can credit to him. Just, you know, he's a guy that always has fun on the air, always sounds like he's having fun. And, and if you're doing the game right, that's how it should sound. And, and I certainly hope that, that fans can hear some of that uh, when they hear me do a game. But I was really excited to meet him at spring training. And when we're going over to their place in Maryville, um, and Marty had talked to Euchre the night before and said, hey, as the story goes, he goes, I've got this new guy uh, that's starting with us this year, and he is really, really geeked out about meeting you. So if you could, just welcome him as only you can. Yuke says, I got it. So unbeknownst to me, Marty knows that I'm excited to meet him, and, and I'm in the booth getting ready for the game. Marty's down the hall. I'd just seen Euchre and comes into the booth and says, hey, Bob's down there if you uh, want to go meet him. And I said, sure, let's, let's, let's head on down. And Marty takes me down to the booth, and, and we walk in, and he goes to Euchre and says, hey, I got somebody here I want you to meet. He goes, yeah, just a second. He's writing some notes down, getting the scorebook ready, and then he takes a phone call. And uh, he's on the phone, at least acting like he's on the phone. <laughs> and he turns around to me, and he goes, hey, are you going to be in Cincinnati when the season starts? I said, yeah. He goes, I'll see you in Cincinnati. All right. And I look at Marty, I'm like, well, what, what, what do I do? Do I, do I wait? Is that what? Uh, so I just kind of confused at this point. And I'm sure I've got a dumbfounded look on my face. And I'm just following Marty's cue at this point. If Marty leaves, then I'm going to leave with him. And uh, so we're just standing there. And uh, Euchre turns around again, puts his hand over the mouthpiece and says, I said I'll see you in Cincinnati. And now Marty looks a little put off by the whole thing he's kind of peeved um i'm i'm like well now, now i've now i've just made bob euchre mad so that's great and so we walk back to the booth and and i'm sure i'm walking back like a tiger with my tail between my legs and i keep filling out my book getting ready to go and about 20 minutes later the door flies open and in pops bob euchre and he continues he throws his arm around me and goes i got you good didn't i and then he continues and proceeds to tell stories and jokes for about the next half hour and just had us in tears of laughter. I mean, a funny, funny, funny man. And, uh, you know, they, they did. They got me pretty good. Marty was 
really, really proud of that. So uh, it was it was kind of an initiation and a welcome to the big league sort of moment that I'll remember forever. Tommy, we've got just a couple more. We're going to do some quick hitters, and then we'll let you go. We appreciate your time this afternoon. Um, outside of Bob Uecker, John Miller, you mentioned those guys. Who's the biggest star that you've come across so far uh, throughout your big league career? Mm, you know, I didn't know this, but Marty Brenneman is like a rock star around these parts. You, you know that to some extent among the fans, but you forget who some of the fans are of this team. Uh, last year on opening day, well, first, uh, Joe Morgan comes by from time to time. I haven't met Pete Rose, but Marty and Pete are pretty good friends. Uh, I remember we were in the car on our way to a game, and Marty's phone rings, and after the conversation, he goes, you know who that was? I said, no. He goes, that was Pete Rose. I was like, wow, I'm in the car with Marty, and he's talking to Pete Rose. Oh, that's kind of cool. And then opening day rolls around. Kirk Herbstreit rolls into the booth. Nick Lachey is there. Um, it, it, Rob Lowe came into the booth at one point during the season last year. I mean, just the, the it was kind of a parade of celebrities that would come in to say hi to Marty. So that was that was kind of fun to get the chance to or have the chance to meet so many guys like that. Well, not just baseball, but it's kind of just which I guess everybody's a baseball fan, right? Just kind of brings them right. all in. So that's awesome. And Kirk Herbstreit apparently is a huge, huge Reds fan. So, and he's he's close with both Brennamans, Marty and Tom. What would you say is your favorite baseball movie of all time? You know, Field of Dreams is probably my favorite movie of all time. So that one, it's also kind of a baseball movie. I, I certainly would say that it is. Uh, but I, since it's my favorite movie, I, I think I almost have to go with Major League is probably my favorite baseball movie. Because whenever that's on, I just I can't turn it off. Like it, If I'm flipping through the channels looking for something specific – and then I come across Major League, it's done. Like there's, there's that, Whatever it was I was looking for ain't happening. That's, I'm stuck <laughs> on that. <laughs> so probably Major League. All right, and what's your Reds' end-of-season prediction? Well, the Reds are going to win the National League Central, and uh, then we'll just see what happens from there in the postseason. But uh, we'll, they'll, they'll be on the top of the division once, once it's all said and done. I'm pretty confident in that. Like a good 60-0, 55-5 sort of thing? I, you know, they'll probably lose a game here or there. Uh, yeah. But, but, yeah, you know, maybe 55-5. and five. I'm good with that. Okay. And, and this one uh, this one might have come from John. Uh, do you have a baseball nickname since you've been around these guys? Have you been given a baseball nickname? I don't believe so, no. I mean, there are a lot of things that Marty called me throughout the course of the season last year, but probably none that I can repeat in this forum. So, you know, I don't know if we can throw one out there that will, that will stick. We'll just see. It's It's a... Wide-ranging podcast. We have a lot of listeners, of course. Um, we have Will the Thrills out there. Why not Thrall the Thrill? There you go. I, Yeah, perhaps. <laughs> uh, we'll get yeah, Coach Meyer luck. on that one to help us push that one out, too. There you go. Good luck. Yeah, he's got a big social media following. He may have a chance That's there. right. <laughs> Tommy, you're beginning to see what I have to put up with on a day-to-day basis with Matt here. <laughs> you put up with me for a long time, so I think you can, you can handle just about anything now. Uh. <laughs> We have some fun on the road. So. Uh, no doubt. No doubt. Well, Tommy, we, we really appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on the podcast, and uh, good luck. Continued success here throughout your career, not only with the Reds, but uh, and beyond that as well. So thanks again for your time. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you having me on. It's fun as always. Thanks once again to Tommy Thrall for joining us here on Bearcat Rewind. And how cool is that? 
He's here as a student at Northwest Missouri State University calling Bearcat games, uh, then eventually the Kansas City T-Bones, the Pensacola Blue Wahoos within the Reds organization, and then he gets the call from a big league club. So there are, of course, a lot of Kansas City Royals fans, St. Louis Cardinals fans throughout the area, but I think we'll see quite a few more Cincinnati Reds fans popping up as everybody getting behind Tommy and supporting him as his career goes on as the voice of one of the most historic organizations in Major League Baseball. So thanks again to Tommy. Thank you for listening to Bearcat Rewind. Please subscribe, rate, review, and tell your friends about the podcast. For John Coffey, I'm Matt Tritton. We'll talk to you again next time.